Welcome to A Million Baptist Podcast, where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we have missed you guys. It's been a few weeks since we've been able to put out an Amelia Baptist Roundtable, but we thank you so much for all the comments and the messages and just asking if we're alive and well. And yes, we are. We're just really slammed with what churches are normally slammed with, a vacation Bible school and Allegiant Student Choir and a trip to the Southern Baptist Convention, which was just a little bit eventful. Maybe you have heard a bit about it from some of your favorite publications like the New York Times, or the Washington Post, two great publications to listen to about the Southern Baptist Convention, but we have something much more fun and important to talk about uh, today. So as we continue on through our roundtables, one issue we really wanted to touch on was the issue of pragmatism, cultural Christianity, and styles of worship, and sort of talking uh, to a good friend of mine, Mr. Brian Winburn, senior pastor at uh, Spring Hill Baptist Church, just down the road, a wonderful church and a wonderful preacher. Brian, thank you so much for being on, man. Thank you, man, for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. And it's you and I have known each other just a short time, but we seem yeah. to click on a lot of stuff, which yeah. I always find uh, really encouraging <laughs> out there these <laughs> days. Uh, but but the question really is, how, how are churches doing with the obedience to the word in relationship as leadership to the congregation and what we typically see out there when it comes to the worship service and how a church presents itself. Basically, we're asking the question when it comes to pragmatism, and we're going to define it for everybody in just a little Mm -hmm. bit. But before we define it, I just wanted to get Brian's take on what were you used to uh, in a worship service, like some of your history and what a worship service looked like to you. All right, yeah. So my history, uh, growing up as a as a kid, man, we had an organ and a piano, right? And, and it was great. It was glorious. There's nothing wrong with the organ and the piano. Uh, but it was just hymns. Yeah, right. And the idea of something new uh, was something that was really 20 years old. Uh, going through that in, in every church I've served in, that's pretty much been the mantra until Spring Hill. So Spring Hill is getting ahead of that curb. They're introducing new songs. And, and to me, it's about worshiping the Lord versus what type of song. I told somebody recently, bluegrass is not my thing. Sure. Nothing against you bluegrass people. But <laughs> uh, if they can worship the Lord, man, Lord, let them have it, right? Yeah, right. So um, I just think that the worship service itself should be about Jesus more so than this song or how well does this person perform. Uh, and not trying to knock those people that do great at performing. Right. But it's less. it shouldn't be a performance to me, uh, if that right. makes sense no, to you. No, I agree. It, it should be something that's heartfelt. So if you walk up to me and say, hey, man, like I'd love to sing or have a part in your service, my, my only caveat is this, is that, man, it comes from my heart. Like it's not going to be a practice perform thing. You're selling yourself to me. That's, that's the thing for me. Yeah, that's true. And I'm glad you said it that way at the beginning. Because I want to make sure people understand the difference between a conversation on styles of worship mm-hmm. and pragmatism, although you can find pragmatism in the reason for certain styles mm-hmm. of worship. But I want to make sure the goal, hopefully, for all Christ-following leadership in Southern Baptist churches and any other faithful biblical churches uh, is that everything be about Christ, that Amen. everything being sung, everything being studied, that Christ be the center of yep. the service. And then it moves us to intention. Yep. So it's adds past look, because I'm like you. I remember, I mean, we were part of Methodist churches and Pentecostal churches. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've been just about everywhere, man. Johnny Cash, the situation. So <laughs> it was a Baptist church for a while, but it was even a contemporary sort of um, music uh, 
keyboard leading mm-hmm. small group team like of, of worship leaders and no choir. I mean, Amelia Baptist Church, um, outside of uh, Gray Gables and Callahan, was one of the first churches I ever went to that had a choir. I mean, it was oh, really wow. the first of two, and I've been yeah. Baptist for a long time. So I was there, part of that 90s sort of movement mm-hmm. um, of contemporary worship. And contemporary, I think, is the word that tends to get mystifying, because yeah. you can be contemporaneous mm-hmm. to the people that are in the worship service with you. Yep. What you're talking about is a movement of yep. tastes mm-hmm. and the times and a conversation of like the cultural zeitgeist. Yes. And I think with that, it's important that we discuss and we use the opportunities like the roundtables and our mm-hmm. pulpits to talk about marks of a healthy church. Um, what we in the Bible Belt see while we're pastoring, mm-hmm. um, is there a movement away? Are we, are we stuck and lost in a bubble when it comes to our way and the way we want to do things? Or are we really sort of fully aware that we aren't as a whole keeping it Christ-centered? Like, yeah. I think that we can be trapped in, well, let me see what the culture's doing. Mm-hmm. And then you can get out of what your who your congregation is. Yep. The goal is not to mold your congregation to a style that you think is best out of your own personal preferences. Yep. It's to mold them to Christ, man, yep. to the power of the Holy Spirit. What are your thoughts yep. on that? So, short story. Whenever I interviewed, they, the question is always, "What's your vision? What's your vision for the church? Like, what do you what do you think it should be?" And you could tell what your vision is, sort of for your ministry and for your life and what it's been like. But for me to say, "Man, this is what Spring Hill Baptist is going to be before I ever become mm-hmm. the pastor," yeah. to me is impossible. And so we're sort of talking about that: is what are what's moving us and what's molding us? Is it what I'm seeing out there? Is it man we've got this and we got that gadget or is it man here's what god's doing in our church this is what our church dna is um we were talking about that just a while ago our church has a special dna we still do meet and greet times it's it's awesome (laughs) and not to knock any other church but a lot of churches it doesn't quite work you know you just go meet the same three people i never run into the same people take this time to greet those around yes everyone has a different everybody stand up and greet one another which normally means (laughs) you're gonna stand up and greet you know your kids and your wife and whoever's sitting (laughs) behind the same guy that sits behind you each time. Hey, Larry, how's it going, right? (laughs) But for us, man, it's really, everybody's going everywhere, loving on people, helping people, and, uh, so it's it's great yeah. for us. So for me, if I'd have come in with my vision, yeah, it, it'd be totally different. I love that mentality too. Don't they? I don't know if you got told this right out of seminary, mm-hmm. um, but when it comes to your first, like at a church, this isn't your first church, but when you come to a church and yeah. you're there like a year, mm-hmm. man, just trying your best not to change a lot of stuff like you're not there to you know unless it's like bad doctrine yes just kind of let the church be the church for a while yep so we we (laughs) we had eight months of that and then COVID hit so we've been there for two years so you're at two years now so our thing was for the first year we're not changing anything outside of minor stuff right and uh, exact philosophy because you need to learn your church need to learn where God's already working you need to see the places where God's wanting to continue to work or places where God's saying you know what that work is finished Mm -hmm. Um, and let that be our driving force let scripture and the holy spirit drive us and move us and that even involves with worship um you know i could have walked in and said man this is what the worship service should be like as opposed to let me learn how you guys are coming to the lord uh is that biblically thankfully it was you know are we doing this right could we do this better and i'm one of those people that saying could we do it better doesn't mean we're not doing it well it just means that man next time you do a podcast you're going to probably watch this one and say, oh, I could have sat at this angle or I could have right. held the microphone here right. or whatever. Or I tell think that's the, the difference though between wisdom and pride yes. when you're moving that church. Yep. You know, there's a huge conversation
conversation to be had. So this brings us to a conversation of intention. Mm-hmm. And this is where I really would benefit from a lot of your expertise and what you've seen in this, your, your career in ministry. But the unfortunate situation is that pragmatism is very real in churches to where the intention is not biblically yep. focused, where the intention is not Christ-centered. Because we do spend the first part of this establishing what we believe that the Lord leads churches to be, which mm-hmm. is ca- uh, not catering, but leading well those yes. people who God has brought to your church. If you really believe the Holy Spirit brings people to your church, yep. forms those local churches, yep. uh, we take pride in the local church. We love mm-hmm. the local church, but we know we're in submission to Jesus and his word. Yep. That's all well and good, but there can be temptations. And I just wanted yes. to sort of address that and say, we are in a bit of a crisis when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. I would argue that maybe not a mountain of churches or the majority of churches, but I believe this is uh, pragmatism is specifically connected in temptation. Mm-hmm. Not saying every mega church does this, nope. but mega churches can be tempted to do mm-hmm. this to remain mega churches. And I yeah. think that's a typical premise. Small churches can be tempted to, to, to be centered in pragmatism so that they can soon become. Why? Because it's become all about something it shouldn't. Yep. Does and that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, so one thing I want to do is, is define pragmatism before we keep, we continue saying it for everybody listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're asked, do not fall into the trap of pragmatism. Some of us may be more familiar with a term called uh, utilitarianism. Uh, William James uh, was the father, philosophical father of pragmatism. Uh, basically, in a nutshell, it's if it works, do it. And there's less of a discerning factor, <laughs> less of a wise factor, more in all about the definition of yeah. what works. And so we, before we dive into that, you're not talking about styles of worship, but understanding that true and God-honoring means of um, worship and, and what you put together and what you decide to do as a staff, that's one thing. But production, showmanship, mm-hmm. um, alluring factors, some of us will come back and say, well, you know, it's not a, not a sin to look good. No mm-hmm. one's saying anything no, really no, no. about that. Yeah. Um, I think you do, and have reverence and awe, bring, bring things to the Lord, but what's awing them? Mm-hmm. Um, we get into preferences, but we shouldn't. So this is really a conversation on the importance of intention if you're looking for a church, if you're you're at a church, but there's there's some things happening at that church that you're uncomfortable with, mm-hmm. if you're in church leadership or you're serving at your church or you're teaching, how are you presenting the word? Is it faithful or are your intentions changing? And so we want to make sure that as we discuss pragmatism, it's just if it works, do it regardless of the consequences. And then Jonathan Lehman had written this article where uh, Al Mohler uh, does not quite put it this way, but it essentially poses the question of whether there is something endemic to the nature of megachurches in America that tempts people in the direction of theological compromise. Mm-hmm. And so Jonathan says, in America, intentionally, presumably the tendency to theological compromise is not a property of size. He says, rather it would seem to be a property of the pragmatism that characterizes so many mega and many churches in the United States. He's saying this is not just a mega church yep. issue. This can be a church of 300 mm-hmm. it's gonna be a church of 100 anyone can do this if the intentions it have could gone be a church awry. Of 10 it can be a church of 10 yeah. wanting and hoping and praying to be a church of a thousand because that's what they've deemed to be mm-hmm. successful so along these lines molar cites a man by the name of david wells says massive critique of the doctrinal minimalism methodological pragmatism and managerial culture of many mega churches and that really is is sort of our focus is that are we minimizing the uh, doctrine the importance of Biblical doctrine, true doctrine, much of which gets us in trouble with the world around us that we're hoping to reach, are we minimizing that intentionally to increase in the things we think matter? Yeah. 
uh, more than doctrine. And so that's really where he draws this question. And so he's saying it's not just megachurches dealing with this. Does our doctrine of the church inevitably tend in a pragmatic direction like we'll do whatever it takes to entertain people who, so they can continue coming, so they can continue tithing, yep. so they can continue giving and keeping our church environment the way we like our church mm-hmm. environment, or are we fully trusting and having faith in the Lord? And so I think this leads to um, a couple things. One is a theological consensus, and this is called the tight grip on the gospel. So think back to the 1950s and 60s. An evangelical was someone who believed in the inerrancy of the Bible, the substitutionary death and resurrection of Christ, uh, necessity of conversion, the call to evangelism, and the importance of gay- engaging the culture. So in order to preserve the gospel, evangelicals wanted to keep a tight grip mm-hmm. on gospel essentials and a loose grip on everything else. So in your words, how in the world around us, let's just say the Xers, the millennials, the maybe even past the boomers, mm-hmm. uh, what does the loose grip on the church look like? Well, I think the loose grip looks like we're... All of a sudden, your pastor's skipping a, a you know, he, he went from going word from word to all of a sudden, it's like, you know, it's talking about marriage. We should probably skip that. Right. Um, I, it's, it's talking about tithing. We should probably skip that. It, when you do a series, you, you do you do line to line, or you expect typically, you, yeah, typically, typically. And, sometimes you can just have like a like we had a family equipping six week series yeah. where we're like we wanted to go and hit these verses. Yeah. But typically, if you're in a book, it's line to yeah. line. Yeah, it, typically in a book. But uh, right now we're doing a series uh, about we're sort of doing the chosen at our church, oh, sort cool. of watching through that on Wednesday nights, uh, and so on Sunday mornings. It's just me just trying to pluck not stories out of that show, but stories that sort of help give but it context. But Jesus' ministry, right. But it's Jesus' ministry. Yeah. And so we're going to go word for word, line for line through that passage. You know, oh, we're going to awesome. use other things to give it context. Cool, but when you start hitting that spot and it's like, man, I'm going to upset such and such. I think that we're loosening up on some of that in the fact of we don't want to upset people. We don't want to run people off. Um, Jokingly, I was out of I was out of John six. That's a great passage for this, right? Does that offend you? Jesus asked them. The gospel is offensive, but mm-hmm. we shouldn't be offensive. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we've lost that idea of the fact of telling people that God loves them, but they're sinners and dying and going to hell without Jesus. That that should offend people. That should yeah. strike them to the core. Yeah. You need to be born again. And so we've loosened up on some of that. Where it's, and I'm not picking out on anybody. So if anybody you say what you want here, if I step on a toe, I apologize. <laughs> but if you sit there and you say, well, just ask Jesus into your heart. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's, we're certainly going to pray and confess our sins, but we've made it almost easy, right? We've almost made it where it's like, do you want to go to heaven? Well, yes. I've only met one person on this planet so far who said, no, I don't want to go to heaven. I'd rather go to hell. And like, it's like, was it Billy Joel? No, it was, it was a young, young teenage kid that <laughs> right. was very troubled. And he's like, I don't even want to go there. My friends aren't going to be there. Right. So why would I right. want to be there? But almost all of us want to go to heaven. But we make it like it's such an easy thing Mm -hmm. to be saved. And so we've loosened that up. We want to make it so easy for people to come to Jesus. And I agree we should try and make it as as easy for them as possible. The gospel simplified. Yes, yes. And, And... Explaining that, I think that there's a big difference in explaining it without losing it, sure, right? Of course, yeah. without watering it down. And so, um, not thinking of anybody in particular, but we've loosened that up. We've got people that will say, pastors that will say, "Well, I speak Jesus came in truth and in grace, and so I'm just going to speak in truth and in grace." But you know, when you look at the woman that was caught in adultery, yeah. he didn't say anything to her. Well, he did say something to her. He told her to go and sin no more. He, right. she had sinned. He didn't need to spend a whole lot of time going at her saying, you know you were wrong 
I think she obviously knew that she was wrong. And that, she was broken. That brings me to an important part of of the alluring factor in pragmatism. They do so maybe because they were born and raised in churches that were what we call fire and brimstone churches, yep. where there was an unloving yes. sort of approach to in, in the gospel, mm-hmm. where you can deliver the truth and you can have all the head knowledge in the world, but man, if you aren't sitting there and suffering with the sinners, if you aren't uh, not lording over them, but being connected in the transparency of your own sin, yeah. then now wonder there are so many churches that are just wanting to talk about the belief portion of the yeah. gospel and not the repent portion of the yeah. gospel. So I'm not saying like, it's unrealistic mm-hmm. to be tempted in that direction. Of course, everyone wants to leave on an encouraging note. I, I'll even bring a really hard word on Sunday morning sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but it's supposed to be encouraging. And you yeah. even say the word encouraging. Like, aren't you encouraged by how much Jesus loves us? That it's he saved an, us from all this stuff? Yes. yes. Right. I, it, it's encouraging to think. Um, I talk about often there's no place I'd rather be than heaven. Yeah. I have four kids. They're wonderful. My wife is even better. I'm not trying to leave my kids that are nine and below, right? But there's no better place for you to be in heaven. Yeah. And so that's a hard thing to hear and a lot of times people will come and say I can't believe you don't want to keep living with your kids I didn't say that (laughs) I just said there's no better place to be than now we're gonna edit we're gonna edit it that way though yeah of course of course send you the snippet (laughs) of I don't want to be with my kids I don't want to be with my kids it's gonna be on like the news it's gonna be some meme right yeah (laughs) we don't know I don't know how to make those but our staff does pastor of four says he doesn't want to be with his kids and wife (laughs) you uh do you what do you think about the question have we done what works that seems to be a phrase that sort of finds its home in, in a very pragmatic approach rather than a mm-hmm. Christ-centered approach in leading a church and creating a church because we really were not talking about, man, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't do hymns. Don't yeah. We're not talking about, I, don't, I see a guitar up there. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I think people tend to misconstrue several different denominations mm-hmm. with Southern Baptist churches or any kind of yeah. church that really, really prioritizes yeah. biblical doctrine. We're not saying that. We're yeah. saying be contemporaneous to your crowd mm-hmm. where you can without compromising biblical doctrine. Yep. You see the, the danger in that question, what works? Yeah, so my question back to you would be, what, define works. Right. And then, uh, for me, my preach has always been, when you count the cost, we typically think of counting the cost as, well, man, somebody may leave, or somebody may not like this, yeah. or... Um, and that's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing we because... don't want it. Yeah, the, the first place every leadership meeting we have the first thing we start if we have a tough decision is all right when we count this cost we need to ask where's jesus at Mm -hmm. because he's the one member we can't lose right i'm not trying to say we want to lose members don't edit that out but if you're willing to lose jesus i mean what do you got you got walmart you got a social club yeah Yeah, we don't need that people don't need that they need jesus so instead of us approaching a, a hard topic or a hard question and saying, all right, what would please, you know, Aunt Betty or, or Billy Bob over here? Uh, those are my go-to made-up names. Um, <laughs> but instead of, instead of the Aunt Betty and Billy Bob, the question is, all right, what about the Lord? You know, and so when you're talking about pragmatism, you're wanting to try and be as close to what's clear as can be mm-hmm. and then work towards what's, if there is such a thing as murky. What's yeah, a little more murky? Right. Does that make sense no, to you? No, I agree. I think everything is not the hill to die on. Yeah. I think people need to chill out in a lot of areas. Yeah. But they don't need to chill out when it comes to doctrinal integrity. Absolutely. I mean, that's the key thing yeah. here for me. Yep. And it's about understanding accountability within the church leadership, mm-hmm. understanding that we all, I think every pastor that we've connected to in the community agrees with this. Mm-hmm. We need each other to hold us Absolutely. accountable yeah. to know that our churches might look different stylistically, but what's mm-hmm. being preached, what's being taught, what's being sung, 
sung and who's it being sung to? Who's it being yep. sung for? Yep. Those are the questions we ask, not what works, because works can, can be calculated yeah. in numerical success. Yes. And we can name plenty of heretics yep. that have massive followings. My grandfather, who was a Methodist pastor, used to say, if it has a following... That's one of the main criteria for crazy, yeah. right? Like, cra- like in order for it <laughs> to be crazy, good. it needs yeah. a following. Yeah. So yeah. don't sit there and say like, oh my gosh, I can't believe yep. we are on the right track because we have 10,000 people. Yep. It needs to be more than just praise mm-hmm. God. If you're preaching, if you're preaching solid doctrine and yep. you've got 10,000 people, praise God, man. Awesome. That's acts two. Yeah. Multiply. That's great. Yep. But if you're not and you see areas in which you've mm-hmm. compromised, doctrinal integrity in the gospel for that because your biggest concern is converts and not disciples yep you need to come back a bit it's it's an issue you might be moving into sinker seeker sense or seeker driven yep rather than seeker sensitive and there's a huge difference yeah between those two things in fact the difference between seeker sensitive and seeker driven is pragmatism seeker driven means we are letting the seeker determine what uh, we do in order to get the non-christians to come to our church Mm -hmm. if it is on their terms then that's who they will accept. They will accept a version of Christ that they've fashioned yep. out of their own wants. But if you're preaching Christ crucified, man, mm-hmm. and you're preaching with conviction, and you're loving your people, and it's about relationship and accountability, yep. man, who's there is going to create pressure for you because yep. the world's still going to be attached. There's going to be people mm-hmm. who think you could, be, you could be doing it better, but you'll at least be confident in yeah. the mission that God's placed you upon. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important. Yeah. So church leaders in the U.S., tend to view numerical growth as success and then ask the question what works now i want to say that that it's i don't think that numerical success means you did something shady no, See what I'm saying? No, like, no, I want to yeah. make sure we're very clear. Yeah. I'm not saying, oh, if you're a large church, yeah. I don't trust it. Well, this, or put uh, this piety. There's always this piety. We have like 100 people that go yeah. to our church, so we're obviously really holy. Yeah. No, you could probably have 500 if you weren't being you know, such a jerk. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. So we just don't know, but are you being yeah. doctrinal? Yeah, does that make sense? Well, and, and, and there's no necessarily clear line on all this. So if you're sitting there listening, boy, this sounds really muddy. It, it sort of is. But you're bringing up a good point. There was a church from the state I moved from where they gave away, like there was those uh, those gold dollars or whatever they were giving away. So they gave away a gold dollar to anybody that attended, right? They had like 250 people show up. It was a small church. The next Sunday they had like eight, right? So you can draw in people with all of these things and you could do all of this. But what are you compromising? What is it? What's the definition of works? Uh, what's your intention as you keep mentioning for that? I do want to plug this uh, since this is going worldwide uh, to the <laughs> to the pastor that's praying about moving into our area. That is the good thing about our association yeah, uh, and its leadership under David Drake is our churches are competing with uh, the world. We're not competing with each other. That is so we're helping each point. other out. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm so glad someone else said it on here. Because when Neil and I say it, they're just used to that. But there is oh, really? a community yeah. yes. of pastors. Like, we root for each other. Yes. You know, we're sitting there saying, oh, you live yeah. off old Nassauville Road? Yeah. Man, get your rear end to Spring Hill. Yep. Like, so we we were rooting for each other and wanting people saved. And I love that about our community. I think yep. every pastor in our community would agree. And I think that is a rarity. It is. I think there's a lot of communities out there and counties out there that feel like yep. they're competing with the Baptist Church down the street. And so now, that comp- why are you competing with yes. the Baptist Church down the street? So that's it. That's what we're talking about, exactly. right? When you're Right. That, that motive for why you're doing that. You're trying to figure out what works, how you can make yourself bigger. But what's the reason behind that? Well, you got pride. Yeah. You know, when your pride swells up of, man, why aren't I? I can remember as a young pastor uh, preaching and thinking, man, I got to say 14 times, not that you can, while <laughs> preaching this. <laughs> Opened up that can of worms, right? Uh, why in the world didn't everybody come down to the altar until all of a sudden I realized, you know what? 
every sermon is an offering to the Lord. Yeah. Was I faithful to preach what he yeah. said? Was I faithful to the word? And then if people respond to it, they're responding to it one way or another. But I can't see their hearts. I don't know their hearts. You don't know who walked out of the room, whatever no. way. And so that's a big relief. But I've got to be honest, that means that early on in my preaching, part of my intent was the reaction of the people. Yeah. Oh, and, and it wasn't. Absolutely. It wasn't. Oh, this will preach, Brian. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't trying to feed people. It was. I'm so sorry to say this. It was trying to feed me. Well, look, right? this opens up. You and I could probably talk for about three hours. This opens up a huge uh, contemplation for pastors and for teachers to be more about the approval of the Lord mm-hmm. and less about the approval of man. And we have to be honest that that's absolutely. Yes. Does it bother me, or do I struggle when you know you're like, oh, cool, it's Mother's Day coming up. Yep. I bet we see a really good crowd yeah like that's not me being pragmatic that's me wanting my church to show up yes. those are different yeah, things there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> so i'm like when you know 150 people show up and i'm not yep. saying that happened but you know when it when you're just you can be a little bummed i think that yeah. pastor needs to hear that that's okay that, it's all right that comes up the part of being in a relationship with the people and that they're not just a number that's a good thing that yeah. you miss your people now texting or calling them right away saying where were you <laughs> there were probably you? better yes. methods uh i was in the hospital pastor i do you know that everyone I've texted it was just because I missed you? I wasn't trying to check up on you. No one wants to get texts from us, except like maybe our wives and, and yeah. that's it. No one else. They're all just like, ah, I'm good. Uh, but the, the good news is knowing what to avoid will lead us to asking some really good questions. And, mm-hmm. and I want people to, who are listening to this, if there are several people in different situations struggling to get back to church after the last year and a half that mm-hmm. we've had and maybe not feeling at home at their current church or the church they've been at for years because of some things they've noticed yeah. that are happening that we've said. And you're like, oh my gosh, our church mm-hmm. is doing that. Our church is, seems like they're missing their intentions. Well, one, make this a time to pray for your leaders. Yep. We're not we're not saying, saying jump ship, get out of there. Uh, we're saying pray for your leaders. Remain, uh, you have to remain full of integrity yourself when it comes to biblical doctrine in your mm-hmm. household. And remember, churches are just made up of many households. Oh, yeah. So this is something that's preached and taught in your home. Let that mm-hmm. affect those around you. There's plenty of things you can do, but some good questions. What does fruit look like? Going back to Galatians mm-hmm. 5 and looking at fruit not only of the Spirit in the life of a Christ follower, but of a church that's yeah. going to be exhibiting those marks of discipleship and yeah. mission. Um, and then are we seeing that fruit? And then are we doing things that would help us see that fruit? Yeah. So I think those are those are decent questions. Anything to add or yeah. let me Let me, uh, if you're somebody that's contemplating, boy, I'm trying to go back to church, or I see these things in my church, and, and I'm, I'm done with it, right? Yeah. If you see it, your pastor may not. I, I hope that he loves you enough and you love him enough to where you could take him to lunch and say, Pastor. So I guess I'm trying to say, if you see a problem, be part of the solution mm. and work through that. We're not, we're certainly not advocating for you see it, you need to run. That's so true. There, there are various things you need to run from, but you should have seen something way in advance before that. Yeah. So, um, but when you're talking about fruit, for me, I, I still want to know who all comes to church. Yeah. Uh, I want to look and see because souls matter and their their assembly matters because it helps me to grow. It's it's the soil idea. You know, right. we need every nutrient. But for me, I like to look at who's serving that's new. Yeah. That's part of the fruit for me. Who is new in the service part? Right. Not just in attendance. Not just in attendance, but who 
who who is new that's helping out at VBS? Right. Americans sort of fast forward. And I don't want to pick on Americans per se, but I want to make sure that we know that there can be a huge difference between the church in these other countries and what's happening in America. Uh, what I mean by that is Americans have a tendency for bigger, better, fast forward to what brings fruit question without having firmly established what true fruitfulness is. But if you skip the first question, you lose the emphasis on true discipleship and you sort of wind up with superficial churches filled with unregenerate people. And so we just need to be we need to avoid shock and surprise when lost people who think they're saved don't evangelize and feel very comfortable in a place that's practicing pragmatism. And so I'm not saying that you can, you have to always avoid casting a broader net or throwing out the gospel and just hoping to God it works. Obviously this is a gift of the spirit, but people are dying without Jesus and going to hell. So we need to be very clear with Mm -hmm. the message that we're presenting and knowing that that matters far more than how many people just like our church or how many people part of our church. So I completely agree. And that was such a great point a great initiative to people listening saying, man, are you really praying for your leaders or are you just sitting back critiquing them with a red yeah. editing pen? Which doesn't do any good. And, right? and that, that increases their wanting to be yeah. pragmatic. You're, you're, They're not inventing that. You're the one holding them hostage yeah, sometimes. I lovingly want to tell you you're part of the problem instead of part of the solution because you're telling them I need this, I want this. If you don't get it, I'm going somewhere else. Right. Um, and hopefully you've never heard that, but unfortunately in ministry you hear that oh, a good bit, right? Yeah. No. Such and such churches doing this and we're not doing that, you know. Harris Teeter Publix. And that's sort of this consumerism yep. that leads to pragmatism on behalf of the leaders. And so yep. that that those are very important things. Man, play that back, listen to that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be careful as you lead your family, as you are out there single, maybe looking for a church, understand yep. that these are things that will seem very good on the surface and look really good, but mm-hmm. if the intentions are not about discipleship yep. and missions based in doctrinal integrity, they're just not not yep. of the Lord or in the Lord's will. Well, I think that intent, you mentioned being called. Um, when I find somebody's a part of another church, I really try to quickly say, listen, I'd never ask you to cheat on your spouse. And, and I'm not trying to say the church is what you're married to, but there's a relationship there. Yeah. And so when you're talking about consumerism and pragmatism and all right, what do we like and what are we looking for? That's all the wrong questions. You yeah, know? Sure. Did you, and, and I'm guilty of it. Did you enjoy the service today? Right. I mean, one of the first yeah. questions in the car is like, how did I do? You know, you're talking about the one with your wife. Yeah. Where you she's get, in the you get right in the car. It's like, Hey, how did I do? How and was it? She's like, you know, well, one person thought it was good, you know? Yeah. Or she's, <laughs> my wife has the, uh, it was really good. It was good. And it's like that, it was good, and then there's this inflection, and I'm just like waiting yeah. for the, well, which part should have been omitted? What, what part did you want me to stop talking about? Now, let me just say this, because my <laughs> wife will watch this. She's such a great encourager on that. I'm always like, no, come on, please tell me. Oh, and she, yeah. And she's just so good at it. Right. It's, it's like, there's got to be something. I know that I would have changed this, but right. she's really good at it. But, right. Praise God for good Even, good even in doing wives. that, that shows our, our humanness. Our human side it's and just—it's not a good, it's not a good but look. It's, it's man. not the best questions to start no. going with, right? How was the service? You know, did you like did it? Did you like us? How did, did you, you enjoy what us? What did you think? Yeah. Right, and it's so just, that's those things are thankfully drifting out of my vo- vocabulary. Man, praise God! There was something recently that went around the internet with that. Of, mm-hmm. Are you? Do you enjoy this rather than was it scriptural? Was yes. it biblical? That needs to be a shift in our concern. I'm yep. glad that you are 
there. I'm glad that Spring Hill is there. Brian, Amen. we first had lunch together, man. I was so excited because you never know when a new pastor comes into a community like yep. this, what's going to happen, how they're going to be. But man, I have nothing but the highest of respect for you and just Me a too, love for, for the people of Spring Hill. Yep. Some of our favorite neighbors of all time mm-hmm. attend your church. And, oh, yes. And uh, Les the and those guys. Yeah, yeah they're, they're awesome, man. Uh, and so we just know the same people mm-hmm. and we're loving the same people and shepherding the same people. It's just, yep. a, it's just an awesome joy to yep. be with you in the community. And y'all have got a group. Is it the Loopies? What do we call them? The Loopies. The yeah. Loopies. So uh, was Russ, right? Russ Gentlemen, K, yeah, if I remember right. the name right. Uh, we meet Russ often Tuesday. Uh, we go uh, take the whole family. <laughs> And it's the loopies. And I now, should probably be clear that it is not some group a, of crazy people that yeah, meet oh, wherever. Yes, oh, they're nuts, quickly, but I mean, in I mean, a great they're crazy way. about Jesus, right? But, but they meet at the loop. And they, they meet at the loop, which is great. So just know, sometime five thirty, six o'clock, <laughs> just walk in there and be part of the loopy group. But we love it, and yeah, um, and awesome. we even prayed. They even had me lead the uh, blessing a couple it. of times. I mean, it's just awesome. That's so great. But that's how our community. It, it is, is because our intention is the right People thing. just have to honestly experience, come visit, and they'll see that here. Yep. And I'm just so Amen. grateful for it, brother. But Brian, thank you so much for being on, man. Appreciate Hopefully this is just the first of many times oh, you can yeah. come on and talk. We just greatly appreciate yep. you, man. Yep. Next time we'll match our t-shirts and all that cool stuff, <laughs> we'll right? coordinate better, yeah. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Quick reminder, uh, all of these roundtables are available for you on the Amelia Baptist Church YouTube channel. Check out our website at ameliabaptist.org or our Facebook page if that's easier for you. But we're also streaming on wherever podcasts Podcasts are available, whether it be Google, Apple, or Spotify. We hope you have an awesome week in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have any questions at all, please email us or message us. We want to talk about Jesus with you. God bless and have a great day.